Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Judges once again. As we continue our Bible study of the book of Judges, we have a few more of these sessions left until we've wrapped up this book. I hope it's I have hope it's shed some new light on the book for you and that you've been receiving insights on how you can fulfill the call of God upon your life. If it's been encouraging you, if you learned some new things, just go ahead and if you're watching in a place where you can put it in the chat, whether you're watching live or via replay, go ahead and put it in the chat and say, yeah, this has been encouraging me. I've learned a lot. I've seen something new light. As we turn there, go ahead, drop something in the chat, share something that you've learned from this time as we get started going into the book of Judges once again. If you're watching somewhere, you can put it in the chat, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, go ahead and put it in the chat. Maybe something you've learned so far or just you've enjoyed it or that you've seen some new things. We'll take a few seconds as we do that. And also for those of you who are newer joining this study, that we've provided my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. And if you go to the YouVersion Bible app under Events and Faith Christian Center, you'll see the uh, notes for tonight under the book of Judges, part seven. You'll also see that I've included our reflection questions. Every session, every Bible study experience that we've been doing in this book, we've included reflection questions for you to answer and reflect upon so you can get even more out of this series. And so I'm not going to go through all those reflection questions because we've given you 13 so far, and you can look at those and answer those. One of the things I will mention is something that we mention every time is the book of Judges is a tragedy. The book of Judges is a tragedy. The nature of the book is a cycle or how I like to say it's a spiral, it gets worse and worse. And we saw in Judges chapter two, it tells you it gets worse and worse. And we're about to see another version of that spiral tonight as we go to the next few Judges. The cycle or the spiral of the book of Judges is sin, the people sin, they turn on God. It even says they forsook God. Other translations, they forgot God. They forgot all about him. And because they did that, they forsook the covenant and the covenant is what gave them the blessing and gave them protection. And in the terms of the covenant, they said if they forsook God, if they forgot him, if they stopped fulfilling their part of the covenant, what would happen? They would be oppressed. Enemies would come in and have dominion over them and oppress them. And so they would sin. They'd be oppressed. Then they would repent. They would be delivered. And then they would have peace and prosperity again. And then after a period of time when the judge died, they would sin again. Then eventually they'd be oppressed. Then after being oppressed for a while, they would repent. Then after they repent, they'd be delivered the judge would rule, reign for a number of years. They would have peace and prosperity again, and then they would sin again. And Judges 2 let us know that each time they sinned, every generation got worse and worse and worse and worse. So let's go to Judges chapter 9. Judges chapter 9. Well, actually, let's back up to Judges chapter 8 and read to you the end of Judges chapter 8. We covered it last week, what it sets up for today. Judges chapter 8, verse 33. As soon as Gideon, also known as Drubabal, died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping the images of Baal, making Baal Bareth their God. They forgot the Lord their God, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them. Nor did they show any loyalty or kindness, uh, one translation says, to the family of Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, despite all the good he had done for Israel. One of the things to me that's so ironic is Jerubbabel, remember we talked about last week, is the name that means let Baal plead against them. Remember his father said, Baal be a God, let him deal with them. And Gideon 
tore down the altar of Baal. He defeated the Midianites. Now they turn to Baal again as soon as Gideon dies. And it says not only did they forget God, they didn't even treat Gideon's family right. Because remember, we said Gideon, it's, the Bible tells you that he had many wives and he had 70 sons. He had over 70 sons. And we see Gideon's poor decisions concerning his family produce family drama that would affect the entire nation. So now let's go to Judges chapter 9. And let's get into where we're going today. One day Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. Now out of all of his sons, Abimelech was a son by a concubine. And this son... His mother was from Shechem. So he goes back to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. And he said to them on his visit to them and to the rest of his mother's family, ask the leading citizens of Shechem. Now Shechem is, it's a very important city in Israel's history. God spoke to Abraham there. Jacob was there for a period of time. Joshua was there at sacrifice at that era. There was the entry of Israel to the promised land. So it's an important city. It's between Mount Gerizim, where it was a mountain where they spoke the blessing, the Mount Ebal, where they spoke the curse. It is something that Moses told them to do and Joshua gave them instructions on. So Shechem is an important city. And so he tells the people of the city where his mother is from, he said, ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. And so Abimelech has a scheme and he hatches his scheme. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to this proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal Bereth which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home in Ophrah, and there on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid. Notice this mass murder of Gideon's family. Abimelech, one of the brothers, and the people of Shechem came together they didn't care about all the stuff that Gideon had did for Israel and delivering Israel from the great oppression of the Midianites. They killed all the sons on one stone. More than likely, they beheaded each and every one. And it wasn't a mass attack. It's one at a time. If it's one stone, this is just a continual beheading, one after another. Jotham, the youngest, escaped and hid. Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar of Shechem and made Abimelech their king. One of the things you want to see, because we talked about this last week, one of the things Gideon got right is after Gideon won this great victory, they came to Gideon and said, be our king. And Gideon said, no, I will not be your king. God will be your king. And Gideon made a statement. I won't be your king because they asked him, so you be our king and then your kids after you and then your grandkids after them. He said, no, I won't be your king and neither will they. He said, no. But Abimelech takes what Gideon refused. The plan of God wasn't for Gideon to be king. And Gideon knew much of that, and that's why he said no. But Abimelech wanted to be king, and the people of Shechem made them their king. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim, the place where the blessing was read generations before, and shouted, listen to me, citizens of Shechem. Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. So now he's about to tell this prophetic parable. 
He says, once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, you be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, you be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush. No, it's a thorn bush. This is not the place where you want to be. And said, come, you be our king. And the thorn bush replied to the trees, if you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham continued, now make sure that you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king and that you've done right by Gideon, all of his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his 70 sons on one stone. And you have chosen his slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king just because he is your relative. If you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech, and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire, notice he said fire, this can be important, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Melo, and may fire come out from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Melo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel three years, something happens. So he's ruling for these three years. He's installed in king. But three years later, Jotham's prophetic parable comes to pass and judgment falls upon Abimelech and the people of Shechem. What happens? Shechem revolts against Abimelech. And what happens after that? Abimelech kills them all. In that battle, he sets the tower of Shechem on fire, killing another thousand people. Remember, Jotham prophesied in his parable, let fire come and destroy you. And this is exactly what's happening. Later, Abimelech is on a row. He's trying to go to another neighboring city. He's attacking them. He's having the victory. And so he decides to set another tower on fire. And when he's beginning that process, in the top of a tower, near the top of the tower, there's a woman who takes a heavy millstone and drops it on Abimelech's head, mortally wounding him. He knows he's about to die. And then he says to a young soldier nearby, I want you to kill me so that a woman doesn't get the credit of killing me. And that's how it happens. The young soldier stabs him through with a sword or the spear and he dies and Abimelech is judged all the people of Shechem are judged because the city is destroyed it is laid waste it is burned down the people are gone the land it's salted so both Shechem that surrounding area and Abimelech are judged now let's go to Judges chapter 10 remember I told you this book is a tragedy it gets worse and worse and so you see this incident here and you see a few other incidents Throughout the book, especially near the end of the book, what you see is that it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And part of it getting worse is that you'll see more outbreaks of many civil wars leading to a big one that you'll see near the end of the book. So Judges chapter 10, verse 1. Judges chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After Abimelech died, Tola, the son of Puah, the son of Dodo, was the next person to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but lived in the town of Shamir and the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel for 23 years. When he died, he was buried in Shamir. After Tola died, Jair from Gilead judged Israel for 22 years. His 30 sons rode around on 30 donkeys, and they owned 30 towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jair. 
When Jair died, he was buried in Canaan. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So you see these couple of judges, they ruled, they reigned, and when they were gone, Israel sins again. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So now it's not just worshiping the Baals as you saw before in chapter 9. But notice what it says here. Notice how far they've sunk. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Ashtaroth and that's not like that was enough but and go ahead and put in the chat say and come on put in the chat and what i'm showing you the spiral what sin does to you sin takes you further and further and further and further and further to it could ultimately destroy you they served the images of baal and Ashtoreth and the gods of aram sidon moab ammon and philistia or the land of the philistines they abandoned the lord and no longer served him at all so the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is, in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. So this is a large area of Israel. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God has served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, Did I not rescue from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Manites? He's going through their history, the history of his faithfulness to them. When they oppressed you, you cried out to me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods. So I won't rescue you anymore. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. You go pray to them. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord. So notice, even when we began praying and saying, God save us, they hadn't really stopped doing their mess. But after God responds this way, they began to put away the foreign gods and stop living that way and worshiping the foreign gods. And they began to follow after God. And then the scripture says, he, God, was grieved by their misery. The Amplified Version puts it this way. So they removed the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he could bear the misery of Israel no longer. Notice this. Although they had turned on all these times, they finally turned back. And it says God could not take their pain anymore, couldn't take their misery anymore, what they were going through. It bothered God at his heart, the misery of his people. Notice the compassion of your God. What they were going through bothered him. You know, when I was reading this passage, it reminded me of Psalm 136, verses 21 through 24, because Psalms 136 says again and again, his mercy endures forever. And verses 21 through 24 describes the book of Joshua and the book of Judges. And God gave their land for a heritage, for his mercy endures forever, even a heritage unto Israel his servant, for his mercy endures forever, who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endures forever, and has redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Remember, we saw in Judges chapter 2, he would always raise up a judge because of his mercy. His mercy on his people, his covenant love for his people. If God could do this under an old covenant, how much more mercy is available to you? We know even the old covenant tells us that his mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy is there for you right now. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. With, put it in the chat. Say, his mercy is available for me right now. 
Say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say his mercy is available for me right now. One more time, say his mercy is available for me right now. Now let's go to Judges chapter 10, verse 17 this time. Picking up in the New Living Translation. It says, at that time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead. And the people of Israel assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, whoever attacks the Amorites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Go into chapter 11. Now, Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was a son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land and told him, You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. So think about who Jephthah is. He's like a gang leader. Um, I remember one commentary I was reading said he's like a mafia thug. He's a warlord who lives in the hills. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight against the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we'll make you the ruler of all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, let me get this straight. If I come with you and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me the ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mitzpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon asking, I want you to pay attention to this message he sends. Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon answered Jephthah's messengers. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from Arnon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to Jordan. Now then give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent his messengers back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on the journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom asking for permission to pass through his land, but their request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to King Sion of the Amorites who, re, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sion. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in the region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? You keep whatever your God Shemos gives you, and we will keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war against them? Israel has been living here for 300 years, inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements, all the way to Aror and its settlements and all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? Therefore, I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord, who is the judge, decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. 
but the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message. Pause. Reflection question number 14. Are you possessing what God has given you to possess? Reflection question number 14. Are you possessing what God has given you to possess? Let's look back at these words of faith from Jephthah. Remember Hebrews 11 said that Jephthah is an example of faith, and we see his faith in this statement. He told them, you keep what your God, Chemosh, gives you. We will keep what the Lord God gives us. Another translation, we will possess what he's given us. We will possess what he's dispossessed before us. So we're, we're going to possess what God has given us. Are you possessing what God has given you? And listen to this. What are you saying about the career, the industry, or the area of calling God has assigned you? What are you saying about the career, the industry, or the area of calling God has assigned you? Remember this principle, confession brings possession. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say confession brings possession. One more time. Say confession brings possession. Bonus time. Say it with me again. Say confession brings possession. You need to speak what God has said about that area. Don't just come up with your own confession. You take time to pray. You get before God and ask God, what should I say about this? And then you say what God tells you to say. And then you do what he's told you to do. And then you'll possess it. You need to say what God has told you to say. And you need to do what he's told you to do. So once again, reflection question number 14. Are you possessing what God has given you to possess? You need to think about it. Just in your personal life and in your calling and your work where God's called you to go, there is places and area and influence and things for you to possess. And as you possess them, you'll make a difference in this world and you can shine the light of Jesus even brighter. So now reflection question number 14, are you possessing what God has given you to possess? Judges 11 verse 29, after these words of faith, note what happened. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mitzvah and Gilead. And from there, he led an army against the Ammonites. After this conversation built on faith in God and God's history and what God has done for them in the past, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jephthah. Remember, the Holy Spirit raised up these judges because of the mercy of God, the compassion of God. He did not raise them up and rest upon them because the judge did everything right or that the judge made wise decisions. We know he raised them up from the mercy of God. As I told you before, just because the Holy Spirit rests upon a judge doesn't mean he approved of everything the judge did or would do. We've already seen the error and the consequence of Gideon. But now, today and going forward, we're going to see the error and the consequences that came to Jephthah and Samson. You need to understand this. Just because you are anointed, it does not mean you will not face consequences for your decisions. Just because you're a Christian, just because you're anointed, it does not mean you will not face consequences for your decisions. Judges chapter 11, verse 29 through 35. We'll look at it now. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mitzvah and Gilead. And from there, he led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice as a burnt offering. There's many tragic stories in the book of Judges. But this one to me is one, not the only, but one of the most tragic on a personal level. There's some other tragics in an area level, but this is a huge personal tragedy. Let's keep going and you'll see why.
So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Ara to an area near Memnath, and as far away as Abokarim. And this way Israel defeated the Ammonites. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You have completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me, for I've made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. What did he vow? That he would kill and sacrifice whatever came to greet him. Now, that's already tragic because he's going to lose his only daughter. But I want to show you two things that makes it even more tragic. Number one, Jephthah's vow was unnecessary. Number one, you see it in my notes, Jephthah's vow was unnecessary. He didn't need to vow. The Holy Spirit had already came upon him. He was already going to give him the victory. He did not need to vow. Jephthah's vow was unnecessary. The Holy Spirit had already come upon him. And number two, do you know what his vow revealed? Jephthah did not know the character nor the nature of his God. Number two, Jephthah did not know nor understand the character or the nature of his God. God did not demand this vow. Also, he does not demand human sacrifice. He didn't tell people to sacrifice their kids. But do you know who demanded human sacrifice or child sacrifice? The false gods of Canaan. And here's the part that really sticks it. Jephthah, the anointed judge, thought his God was like, just like the false gods. Jephthah, the anointed judge, thought his God was just like the false gods. He didn't know the character and the nature of his own God that he served. Look at what it cost him because he didn't know the nature and the character of his God. Reflection question number 15. How well do you know the character and the nature of your God? Reflection question number 15. How well do you know the character and the nature of your God? Well, how do you learn it? Through the word. Through the word, applying the word, following the word, the leading of God's spirit, and experiencing those things. That's how you learn the character and the nature of your God. But to understand it and to know it, you have to be a word person. You have to rightfully divide the word of truth. And you have to know what's in your covenant. And us believers are under the new covenant. We have, that reveals to us what God wants us to do in our lives. And also his names we see in the Old and New Testament. It reveals what he wants to do. The names of God. As he told Gideon, I'm Jehovah Shalom. As he told Moses, I'm Jehovah Rapha. As we see elsewhere in scripture, he's El Elyon, the most high God. He's our shepherd. We see that he is the almighty God, the all-powerful God, El Shaddai. The New Testament, we see he's the God of all grace. He's the God of hope. We understand that he's love. How well do you know and understand the character and the nature of your God? It'll affect your decisions and your outlook and your perspective on life. So reflection question number 15, how well do you know the character and the nature of your God. After this tragic incident, 
The tribe of Ephraim goes to war with Jephthah's army, not about this incident, about something else, and loses terribly. Once again, we see this civil war spiking up again, because remember, it's spiraling. It's getting worse and worse and worse because everybody's doing what's right in their own sight. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, but we won't get into tonight for the sake of time. Following the battle, Jephthah judges Israel for six years and then dies. So after this tragic incident we just read, the tribe of Ephraim goes to war with Jephthah's army and loses terribly. And following that battle, Jephthah judges Israel for six years and then dies. And so we see Jephthah, when you get to the latter judges, the first group of judges, there's really no issues recorded about them. The middle judges, mm, they're okay, they got a few issues. But when you get to these ending judges of Jephthah and Samson, it gets worse and worse and worse. And I'll show you why about Samson as we begin to cover Samson next week. So you don't want to miss it. I love sharing about Samson. But I want you to reflect on the questions. Are you possessing what God has given you to possess? And how well do you know the character and the nature of your God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you share with us. Help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word who are blessed in our doing. Help us to see correctly what you've given us to possess. And help us know and experience you and correctly know you and correctly understand your nature. That we won't be wrong about you like Jephthah was, but we'll actually know you and have that relationship with you and understand who you are through your word and by seeing the word manifest in our lives or through our experience. Give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it strengthens you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, and remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.